one of this series we're in on winning the war of the mind, I started a part, a two-parter. Last week was uh, pessimism's pathway. See, we got to get past a pessimistic mindset, past a pessimistic ideology. And so what we looked at last week was the first part of this on what leads us into uh, pessimism. Does anybody remember what it was last week? What? Being critical. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Turn, if you will, to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I'm reading now the expanded Bible. My God. Nope, good. I'm reading now the expanded Bible. He says, and do not be shaped, conformed to, pressed into a mold by this world or age. Instead, be changed within, transformed by a new way of thinking. See, here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to change what happens between our ears. When we begin to change the way we think, the way we think about God, the way we think about ourselves, the way we begin to think about everything there is, even about what he says about us, then we start to be transformed and we don't get pushed into a mold of this world. Then, after what? After you change your mind. Then you will be able to decide, discern, test, and approve what God wants for you. Is God's will. You will know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, they're not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Well, what are the strongholds in our life? And I know a lot of us think, well, maybe it's this that everybody says don't do, or maybe it's this that everybody says we shouldn't do, or maybe it's these strongholds. If I could just quit doing these behaviors. See, that's been our problem all along with the church. We've tried to get into behavior modification rather than causing people to repent. Now remember, what does repent mean in that situation? It's the word what, Jody? Metanoia, to change your mind, to start thinking. But what we'd rather do, we'd rather you change your behaviors, and as long as your behaviors match up, we think everything's good. How many of you know, my kids, when, I, when they were growing up, their behaviors matched up because they didn't want what followed. But the mindset didn't change. What God wants for you and I is for us to begin to change the way we think. Change the way we think about him. Change the way he, we think about what he thinks of us. And he says, so our weapons that he's given us are mighty to pull down strongholds. What are those strongholds? Verse five, casting down imaginations and every every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. 
In other words, anything that says any idea you have, any thought process you have that is contrary to what God's Word says about you or how you should be is exalting itself against the knowledge of God. Are you with me? Okay. And then I like what he says, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So, how do I not become a pessimistic person? Like we saw last week, I'm going to have to first get at, take, quit taking critical steps in my life. I'm going to have to quit being critical. That's one of the first steps into becoming a pessimist. Trust me, nobody wants to be a pessimist. Nobody likes to be around a pessimist. Come on. Sandy, I don't like to be around pessimists. <laughs> so I got to quit seeing people take, and I got to quit being a person that's taking these critical steps and becoming a critical person. So what is pessimism in case we forgot? Pessimism is the tendency, which is what? An uncontrolled thought to see or anticipate. It doesn't mean that it's really there. It's just something we're looking forward to. We're anticipating. To see or anticipate or to emphasize, nobody in the room does that. We don't emphasize the bad. Emphasize a thousand things could be going wrong. But that one thing, that's what we emphasize. That's what we, it is, means to emphasize only bad. Your spouse could be the most perfect person in the world, except that one thing that gets on your nerves. <laughs> D has looked for almost 30, well, yeah, 30 years to try to find that thing. She ain't found it yet. I'm just saying. That one thing that's just like, and isn't it funny how that's the thing we focus on? Not how good they are, how great they are, how awesome they are, how sweet they are, how kind they are. How dutiful they are to me. Nope, it's that thing. And that thing is what does it. It means to emphasize only bad or undesirable outcome. Results, conditions, or problems. Now, I love this part of this definition. It is the doctrine. What is a doctrine? It's a belief system, right? It is the, the, it, pessimism is a doctrine that the existing world is the worst of all possible worlds. That's pessimism. Come on, look up, look straight ahead. This world's going to hell in a handbasket. It's awful. If it gets any worse, God's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Come on, God's never going to apologize to anybody. He don't have to. And for me to sit around and look at this world and say, this is the worst of all worlds. It can't get any worse. Oh, really? We ain't out of here yet. Gloom, despair. That's pessimism. That's not a God thought process. 
That is contrary. Remember, we looked at love. What does love do? Love believes the best. So if we say, Mike, that we love the world, guess what we believe about the world, Kelsey? We believe the best about it. We believe that it's awesome. It's fantastic. Is it perfect? Are you? Why are you looking for a perfect world? You'd mess it up getting there. Come on. Oh, it's just, no. You can either be a pessimist or you can say, you know what? My God, if it weren't for God, I'd get down and depressed and, hey, man, how about turning off a TV sometime? Turn the news off. (laughs) Quit letting everything else get you down. All right, you ready? I want to show my conspiracy theory side. You ready? They're all lying to you anyhow. All of them. (laughs) You know why? Because they want you to turn it on. You know why? Because they get money every time you do. Cut them off. Maybe they'll quit lying. All right, going on. But when we have this idea that this world is so bad, so horrible, I just want out, God. Didn't Moses, we looked at it last week, didn't Moses pray the same thing? God, this people, they're not even mine. I didn't give birth to them, you did. If you're going to do me a solid, God, kill me now. Is that not what he said last week? He said, if you ever loved me at all, God, kill me now. I don't want to deal with this place anymore. I know we've never felt that way. I promise we won't get into it. The doctrine, pessimism is the doctrine that the existing world is the worst of all possible worlds or that things naturally tend toward evil. You ever notice we don't start out that way? People usually start out pretty optimistic. They, they, they have this, this bright, shiny Katie. That's what I think about. Just smiling, happy, up, just going through life. But then something happens to us. And no matter all these different paths that we go on, we start to get toward this path. First off, we start to become critical. Critical of everything, critical of everyone. And that starts us down this pessimism road. And when this negative mindset gets firmly established in us, it acts as a barrier. It holds us captive in a mental state that is not only unhealthy, but it's unbiblical. Let me say this over here. This negative mind state is not only unhealthy, it is unbiblical. Show me anywhere in the world where it says, be down in the dumps, oh you children. Make a whiny cry sound to the Lord, all you saints. No, I think the commands he gives us, Emily, is quite different. Make a joyful noise. 
Man, when's the church going to get that? We want to tell everybody else, get their ball and get off my yard. (laughs) And this transition from positive to negative, it's subtle. It doesn't happen all at once. And like we looked at last week, and I'm just reviewing now, it first starts with critical steps. It's when we start to become critical. And I believe that these issues keeps us in the dark rather than allowing us to walk in the light. They'll keep us sick rather than let us walk in healing. They'll keep us, they'll keep us broke rather than never having enough, which is all what God requires of us, asks of us. I believe that our attitudes can do so much for our outlook, our outcome, that this is why we are instructed to take our thoughts captive to the Word of God. And if we don't, now, (laughs) so if we're on pessimism's pathways, and one of the first ways he gets us there is critical steps. I thought, where does it land us, Jody? You ready? It usually lands us at complaint corner. And here's our second step. You all ready? Here's our second step into pessimism. The children of Israel were 400 years in slavery. 400 years in slavery. It had gotten so bad that Pharaoh took the mortar that they used to make bricks with and said, here's water, mud, straw, make bricks out of that. He was hard on them. And then along come Moses with a message from God, let my people go. And we all know what it took to get there. 10 life-changing things. They get released. They're walking out of Egypt. Look back by, now you got to remember, there's not a few of them. There's millions. Some historians say anywhere between two to five million people walked out of Egypt. Walking through the desert, they come up on the river and they can't cross it. Moses walks out there with his staff, holds his staff out over the water. Water's parted. The mud dries up. They walk across on dry land. What amazes me about that, I, wanted to, I want to look into the wall of water. I want to see the fish. Can you imagine what that'd be like? That'd be so cool. They look back. Here comes Pharaoh and the armies. The walls close in, buries the armies that's chasing them. Miriam leads a dance. They're, as they're traveling through the wilderness, they get led at night by a fire and by a cloud during the day. Now, I'm not talking about this little cloud. They call it a pillar. 
This is a massive thing that went from the sky to the ground. That's how pillars go, isn't it? Up down. That led them. They've seen water come from rocks. They saw manna fall every night. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 again. Look at verse 10. They're funny people. He says, look what the writer says. He says, neither murmur as some of them also murmured and were destroyed by the destroyer. Neither, here's a command, Rachel. Neither murmur as some of them murmured. Well, Mount's Greek English Dictionary says this about the word murmur. It means to speak privately. Murmuring, also known as complaining, is not always what you say out in public, but it's what you say private when you think no one else is listening. To speak privately in a low voice to mutter, to utter secret and sullen discontent, to express indignant complaint, murmur, and grumble. Thayer said this of the word murmur. said, murmur, it means to murmur, to mutter, to grumble, to say anything against in a low tone, whether you're saying it to yourself or to your spouse or to your best friend, whoever you decide to complain to. Neither complain out loud or in private. Daggone, that hurts. Because you know what, Ryan? I'm good at complaining. (laughs) He said, don't complain out loud or even in private. As some of them complained and they were destroyed by the destroyer. It means of those who confer secretly together. Webster's 1828 dictionary says this of the word murmur. It is a complaint half suppressed. (laughs) Or uttered in a low muttering voice. To grumble, to complain to utter complaints in a low, half-articulated voice, to utter sullen discontent. Do you see what God tells us not to do here, Linda? When we live our lives in complain mode, we are actually setting ourselves up for destruction. What did verse 10 say? Neither murmur as some of them murmured, grumbled, complained out loud or in secret, for they were destroyed by the destroyer. Go back to 1 Corinthians 10. Let's go back to verse 7. Come on, we were shouting a minute ago. Let's get back there. He said, man, this ain't nothing to shout about. (laughs) Verse 7. Neither be idolaters. You know what idolaters are, right? Worshiping anything other than God. As some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to revel. Neither let us commit sexual immorality. 
as some of them committed when 23,000 fell in one day. 23,000 people fell dead in one day because of sexual immorality. I got a couple kids in here. Let me explain what, what happened. It was an all-out festival of everybody join in. It's the best way I can put it with, their, with kids in here. 23,000 people. So he said, don't be idolaters, idol worshipers. Don't commit sexual immorality. Verse 9, let us, neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Verse 10, neither murmur. He puts our complaints, whether private or public, in the same category as idol worship and sexual immorality. Well, I would never do that. But when I go in to complain, God says there's not a difference between them doing that and you doing what you just did. He puts our complaining, come on, I know this makes you want to shout, Becky. He puts our complaining in the same category as idol worship and sexual immorality. He said, neither murmur as some of them murmured, also murmured, and were destroyed by the uh, destroyer. Verse 11, now all these things happened to them for examples. They are written as admonition to us upon whom to the end of the age had come. So he says, all this stuff that the children of Israel went through was so that you wouldn't do it. They complained. They were sexually immoral. They worshiped a big giant golden calf. And he said their complaints was just as bad. Well, who'd they complain against? We saw last week, they complained against Moses. Not to his face. We hardly ever complain to somebody's face. It's usually been whispers. Why do you think it means to utter a complaint in a low voice? To utter. The word complain, Webster says this of the word complain. He says it means to utter expressions of grief and lament. To utter expressions of disapproval or resentment. Are y'all hearing me? These are the things God tells us not to do. (laughs) We're so worried about people's behaviors. How about we stop looking at everybody else's behaviors and say, hey, wait a minute. Am I a complainer? Because he puts my complaining in the same boat as their behavior. Try it again. He puts my complaining... In the same boat as their behaviors. I think it might be time that we get our eyes off of everybody else. Well, what are we complaining about? It's not always God. Sometimes we complain about God. I would never complain about God. Yeah, you do. You just don't realize it. Or we complain about my spouse or my job. 
my boss, my church, my pastor. Hold your breath. My president. He puts my complaining in the same boat. Man, it dropped a bomb and got real quiet. <laughs> it means to resentment, to murmur, to find fault, to charge, to accuse of an offense, to present an accusation against a person to a proper officer. How many times has the Lord told us to do something and we complain about him telling us to do it? How many times have we begun to pray for our prayers only to turn into a gripe session to God about how everything's wrong in my life, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, I'm just going to go eat a worm. God, don't you see how bad it is here? Don't you see how awful I got it here? It's the same boat as sexual immorality and idol worship. Everybody breathe. Because guess what? We all guilty. But that's why we're preaching this. So we can stop. <laughs> how many times have we sat down only to tell God we're not happy. And every time we do this, we are actually bringing accusation against God. You have not got my life straightened up. That's all complaining is. It means to bring charge against someone. This is your fault. We would never do that. It's been that way since the beginning. God looked at Adam and said, who told you this? That woman you gave me. You know what he was saying? God, this is your fault. Had you not given her, this is your fault. Every time we complain, it's bringing accusation even to God. How dare me? We're expressing resentment. Finding fault with God. We're charging God with an offense. We're bringing accusation against God. Now, if you will, just bless me. Bless you. Bless you. Go to Numbers chapter 11. Are you with me? Everybody feeling this yet? I know I feel it. <laughs> Numbers chapter 11, verse 1, it said, Now when the people complained openly, where? Before the Lord. Before it ever gets, before I ever get brave enough to express my complaints openly, Jody, I've done a lot of complaining behind closed doors. Folks, never think that once it starts getting out, when people are complaining out that they have not done a whole lot of complaining. 
And before I ever am comfortable enough to complain in front of you, I've done a lot of complaining. Me and myself have done a lot of accusations. (laughs) The Lord heard and his anger burned. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What caused God's anger to burn? Their complaints. Look straight ahead and smile. Their complaints caused God's anger to burn. And and then the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed the outskirts of the camp. And the people cried out to Moses. Isn't it funny? The one they were complaining about was the very one they ran to. Oh, there's a whole nother lesson in here, Zach. That most of the church isn't ready for, Galen. That's not funny. About the need to have a spirit spiritual person not lording over them better not get in it everybody's going to get mad right now the very one they were complaining about they went and prayed asked him say well you men you got to ask God take this away from us so Moses prayed and the Lord and the fire was quenched and he called on the name of the place Taberah because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Now, by this time, the children of Israel were not traveling alone. They had a lot of outsiders that were traveling along with them. Foreigners that were traveling with them. And look what happened. And the mixed multitude, that's what that means, was among them, among them lusted, burned, And the children of Israel wept again. Wait a minute. God sends down fire. The whole outside of the camp is lit up in fire. You go to Moses. Man, pray to God. Get this away from us. He prays. The fire goes away. And because somebody else started complaining, you start doing it again. Wasn't fire from heaven enough? They were as dumb as me. Because I walk in the blessings and I walk in God's blessings and I walk in God's blessings and all of a sudden I sit down in front of God and I tell him that one little thing in my life that's not perfect and he needs to make my life right. The fire was gone. And then somebody else started complaining. So what did they do? They started complaining too. Again, uh, and said, who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate in Egypt when we were slaves. When we were beaten. When we were hurt. When we were whipped. Isn't it funny? Complaining about their freedom. Longing to go back into slavery. Come on. I wonder if I do that. I think I do sometimes. They said, oh, we remember the fear. Who's going to give us meat out here? We remember in Egypt, in slavery, 
We had all kinds of free fish. It was free. No, it wasn't. It cost you a day's work. It cost you a whip across your back. It cost you your children. It cost you your wives. It cost you everything. And you thought you were free? Okay. The cucumbers and the melons, the leeks and the onions and the garlics, how now our life is dried up. I'm free. I'm no longer getting beat. I'm no longer getting whipped, but it's just not good enough, God. Does this sound like anybody you know? That God has done everything, but I find that one thing, and then my life is ruined because of that thing. And so I spend all my time complaining to Jody about how I don't like Ted's glasses. <laughs> or I find my time complaining to Jody because me and Angie don't agree on every little thing. When am I just going to let Angie be Angie and I take care of, trust me, I'm enough to take care of. I don't need to try to take care of somebody else. And some of us need to learn that lesson. And we'll quit complaining about everything. Moving on. They said, there is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. We don't have nothing except this. Look at verse 7. The manna was as coriander seed, and it looked like bedellum. The people went out and gathered it and ground it up in meals or beat it into a mortar and boiled it in pots, and they made cakes out of it. And the taste of it was the taste of cakes baked in oil. One translation says it kind of tasted like honey. Now, here's how hard they had to work for their food. Open tent door, step outside, get as much as you wanted. Turn around. I can live, I don't know about y'all, I can live on cake. I can do it. Man, I, I'd be, but isn't it funny how God gives us what we want and eventually we're like, hey God, this is your fault that I'm not happy with the cake anymore. What's that, you have your cake and eat it too? And then that's not enough? It tasted like cake. Don't sound so bad to me. And when the dew fell on the camp at night, the manna fell on it. They didn't even have to work hard. Verse 10. Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the opening of his tent. What were they doing? They were complaining at home in private. And it worked its way out into public. And the anger of the Lord burned greatly. And Moses was also displeased. What caused God's anger to burn? Complaint sessions. I know no one in this room ever happens. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. This is how we get to pessimism, folks. Some of us may already be there, but that doesn't mean you have to stay there. 
We're giving you two giant things that if we can eliminate from our life, verse 13, for God is the one working in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Look at verse 14, do all things without, do how many things without murmuring? They got it. How many things without murmuring? That means your whole life should be without complaint. Well, that's hard. I know that got it. This is called grown-up stuff, folks, here. Do all things without murmuring and complaining that you may be blameless and harmless. You mean if I just cut complaining out of my life, he looked at me as blameless? Sons of God. I love those next two words. Without fault. Just from cutting out complaining. This is God's view of me. In the mindset, in the midst, sorry, of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine as light to the world. What causes me to shine as lights? Do you think sitting in a restaurant, I love sitting in restaurants, because people forget that there is a room full of people. Ted and I went to lunch one day, and I think, I think Jody was with us this day. And they thought I was ignoring them, and I really was. <laughs> they finally asked me, are you even listening? I'm like, no, I'm listening to the conversation behind us. <laughs> Don't look at me, you've done it. Why was I listening to them? Because they were talking about me. I didn't know who they were. I'd never seen these two men in their life. But they started talking up real loud against the things we believe. And they said, and, and you know, they were, they were smart enough to say, you know, there's some churches around here. I'm like, well, I don't even know who you are, so you really, it ain't really affect them. And, and I told them, I said, I'm listening to us being talked about over there. But see, people forget. So imagine this. Me and Kyle go to lunch. And we're in an open place. And Kyle starts complaining to me about Jeff. And somebody behind us Oh, man, I know those three people all go to the same church. Can you believe? See, we're lights in a wicked and perverse generation. And then he tells us not to complain in the same verse. Can you believe how those two Christians talk about that other Christian and complain about that other guy? Well, if that's all they got, I don't want none of that. I can get that anywhere. And we wonder why we struggle getting people in church. All right, let's get a little bit directed here. How to get off this path. Get off pessimism path. One, quit being critical. Two, of course, quit complaining. But how do I do that? 
I got to remember, a complaining attitude is something God warns us not to develop. We've looked at it, but it feels good. My flesh likes it. I had to get it off my chest. I had to relieve myself of that. But are you really relieved or are you reliving? Try that again. Are you relieved or are you reliving? (laughs) But it feels good. There is a sense of satisfaction when we complain. (laughs) If only for a moment. What do we call? We call it venting. 1 Corinthians 10.10 again. Neither murmur, as some of them murmured, and were destroyed by the destroyer. So what do I need to do? First and foremost, you and I, me and you. First thing we got to do is we got to own our complaining. It's time to repent. It's time to change our minds. Back to Numbers chapter 11, verse 11. We kind of alluded to this earlier. And Moses said to the Lord, why have you hurt your servant? Why have I not found favor in your eyes that you lay the burden of all these people on me? I have not, have I conceived all these people? Have I given birth that you should say, carry them in your bosom? What's he doing? He's complaining. He got upset because he heard people complain. So what's he do? He goes to God and starts complaining. And who's he blaming in his complaints? He said, am I, as a, to carry them in your bosom, as a nurse bears a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers, where am I to get meat to give all these people? For they weep to me saying, give us meat that we may eat. And he says, I am not able to bear it. Lord, I can't take this anymore. All these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. Now he's talking to the one who split the sea. He's talking to the one who caused a fire and a cloud to lead him. He's talking to the one who made water come from a rock. He's talking to the one who makes food fall from the sky every night. This is too much for me. What have you got to do with it? So far you've done nothing but throw your stick down and pick it back up. Say some words, hold your stick out over the water, and just walk, man. That's all you had to do was walk. It's too much for me. Verse 15, if you do this to me, please kill me at once. If I have found favor in your eyes, and do not let me see my misery. Moses begins to complain. And here's what we say. So we're we're talking about owning our complaining. Here are words I hear a lot. I wouldn't have to complain if they wouldn't do it that way. If they would just do it my way, I wouldn't have to complain. I wouldn't have to complain if they just did it right the first time. Here's, 
You ready, Mike? Here's another one I hear. It's not complaining if I'm right. (laughs) Folks, when are we going to realize my complaining attitude, your complaining attitude is holding our blessings back. And it causes God to be angry. Now, it doesn't cause God to throw you out, kick you out. But, and here's, our, here's another one I get. Well, I have an opinion and it's my right to give it. Well, yeah, it's true. But just because it's right doesn't mean it's right. It still falls into complaining and God still sees it in the same boat as an idol worshiper or sexually immoral. Well, then I never get to say anything. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. And take every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So one, own your complaining. If you're a complainer, own it. I'm a complainer. Today, I admit I'm a complainer, but I'm going to stop. Second, stop complaining about what you can't change. Dee and I learned this. We lived in Canada. I started to bring a picture today of of 10 years ago when we were in Canada, a picture that Dee took out our windshield on the way home from, watch Facebook tonight, I'll put it up. She, only thing she says, this is our view on the way home from church, I'm glad Brent's driving. And one thing that I've noticed, when we came home, our last winter there, I think there were four blizzards. I think most nights, it was negative 40. Ooh, it got down to five. I remember a time when five was warm. <laughs> and I, I, I always catch D in this one. She'll say something about the weather. She'll nope, nope, nope. I'm, I'm, nope, I'm not going to do that, God. I've seen worse. When are we going to stop complaining about things we can't change? You can't change your boss. You can't change the way things are run, work. And I have no control over them. So why am I putting myself in the same boat as idol worshipers and sexually immoral people? Do we complain about things we have no control of? I need to remind myself that God hears every word of my complaints. Every word of my complaints. So first, I'm going to own my complaining. I'm going to admit it and repent. Second, quit complaining about things. You can't change the weather. Why complain about it? Now, just because you say, I don't like rain. I prefer sunshine. That's not a complaint. That's a preference. (laughs) Thirdly, you've got to choose. Everybody say choose. You've got to choose to be full. You've got to choose to be full. What do you mean choose to be full? 
you got to be joyful. Joyful is a choice. It's not because all your ducks are in a row. It's not because everything is lined up right for you. Joyful is a choice that even when hell is going crazy in your life, you still refuse to let it get you down. Philippians chapter 4 verse 4. He, uh, he says, rejoice in the Lord. How often? Well, first he said, do all things without grumbling and complaining. Now he's telling me to rejoice always. That's a choice. That's a choice. You can be down in the mully grubs or you can be joyful. That's your call. Yeah, but you don't know. No, it's your call. It means to be rejoiced, means to be full of cheer. It means to be calmly happy or well off. In other words, what he's saying is be full of cheer in the Lord always. And in case you missed what I said, be full of cheer in the Lord always and be calmly happy. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, what he's saying, in case you missed that, rejoice. Psalms 100, out of the message translation. I love the message translation of this verse, these verses. He says, on your feet now, applaud God. Bring a gift of laughter. Sing yourselves into his presence. Know this, God is God. And God, God. He made us. We didn't make him. We are his people, his well-tended sheep. Enter in with the password, thank you. Make yourselves at home talking praise. Thank him. Worship him. For God is sheer beauty, all generous in love, loyal always and ever. Choose to be full. Choose to be joyful. Second thing you need to do to choose to be full is you got to choose to be thankful. That's a choice. Look around your life. Choose to be thankful. Psalms 136, 1 through 4, and we're getting ready to land this thing right here. We've got two verses, three verses, not three verses, two sets. Ready? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, unto the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. That's a choice. Being thankful. So how do we put it all together? Here's where we're going to end it. First Thessalonians. Chapter 5, verse 16. Rejoice. So how do I quit complaining? I choose something else. Rejoice always. Katie, I've never seen a pessimistic person who goes around rejoicing. I've just never seen it. Rejoice always. That's a command. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. 
You can pray anytime. Kevin, was it you or Linda? One put something on about Facebook about praying. Pray in the car, pray at home, pray when you're driving, pray, pray all the time. You can pray all the time. You can pray all the time. Pray watching TV. You can do that. You listen to your kids ramble on while you're watching TV. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything, give thanks. That means in the good times and the bad times, in the hard times and the sad times, in everything. Give thanks for this. I just want to do the will of God. Okay, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all things. And you will be doing the will of God. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. There's never a time when complaining is the right, re- right response. And there's never not a time when thankfulness and rejoicing is not the right response. So how do I not be pessimistic? I'm going to quit being critical. I want to stop this complaining. And when I do... All of a sudden, I guarantee you, your outlook, you'll become that optimistic, positive person that you always wanted to be. But you have to take some steps. You have to do it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. We glorify and magnify you and the beauty of your holiness. Thank you so much for what we've experienced here today, Lord. Thank you so much for healing here today, Lord. Thank you so much for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, and while our prayer team comes, if you will have anything you want to pray about, you want somebody to agree with you about anything, these guys are here to agree with you in an optimistic way. So as they come, we're going to take about 10 minutes tops, guys, okay? And we're going to come back. We're going to do our uh, members meeting. So if you are a member, please hang around. Let's take care of some things we got to take care of. And uh, we'll do that. But if you need prayer, these guys are ready to pray with you. Amen.